Good morning. It is Sunday morning. Woo! I've been looking forward to preaching this week. Actually, I think I'll look forward to preaching every single week. My wife's been looking forward to me preaching every week. You can't see her face, but she's like, oh, yes. Anyway, it's good to see everyone. Um, the sermon this week, um, I actually had, God, God sent me some scripture, but I didn't know in what order. Uh, I never do, but I really didn't know. I wasn't, I wasn't really sure what I was. Uh, he, he sent me uh, this, the title scripture, and then after that, I thought the the sermon was uh, was about one thing, but then as I was researching it yesterday, it, it came up something completely different. So, um, I researched the first two or three scripture, and then God just handed me the rest, just on a silver platter, made me smile, but. Uh, I hope everyone, I hope everyone is is filled with the spirit through this sermon. My little dog, you know, y'all have never seen my little dog. Come here. This is our little dog Bella. You always see baby. You never get to see Bella or the other cat. But uh, she's very curious and timid and scared. I think that's also what timid means. But anyway, this is Bella. I guess she's gonna help me. She's standing there staring at me. So let's pray, and we're gonna get right into this. Father, we praise you and we glorify you and we love you and we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, for blessing us with the sunshine that, that we have here now at least. And uh, for whoever is watching that has sunshine where they are, we, we praise you for that. And if they have clouds, we praise you for that. And if it's raining and pouring and, and tornadoes are everywhere, we praise you for that as well. We praise you for life and the chance to live it, Lord. And for those of us who believe in you, we praise you for the new life, for, for being reborn to the Spirit, Lord. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for sending us Jesus and sending us forgiveness and opening heaven to us, Lord. And I pray that these words sink into the hearts and the minds and the spirits of everyone that hears and it brings them closer to you. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. That prayer was almost like a sermon, wasn't it? Let's start at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. <clears throat> All right. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. <clears throat> For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Paul is speaking of Jesus. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus defeated death, took the keys of death from Satan through his own death. It's funny, all these uh, false gods throughout the years, everyone, is, you, you have the god of death and the god of thunder and the god of all of this stuff. And not a single one, e even though even a story can hold a candle to the god of all creation, the one true absolute god. All these other false gods are demons. 
creations by Satan to cloud men's minds from the truth. God sent his only son, the word made flesh. And through his death, we were set free. We were set free. And no longer can death hold us. Oh yes, this body can die. This body can die. This body is very fragile. I mean, you turn on the news every day. All there is is bad news about people dying and, and, and getting sick. And th th this flesh is very, very fragile. But this spirit, through, through the belief in Jesus, this spirit that we are reborn through, we are reborn in the spirit. When we believe in Jesus... Believe that He's the Son of God. Believe that He died and resurrected and ascended. When we believe and we ask the Holy Spirit to, to fill our hearts, when we ask to be baptized in the Spirit, we are made new. We are new people. Yes, the same flesh, but a new person is born in here, in our spirit. And through our spirit, we are eternal. Because our spirit lives within Jesus. Now, wait, 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 preacher. You just said our spirit lives within our flesh. So how does our spirit live within Jesus? Because Jesus lives within us. The light of the world dwells within us. This is a temple. This body is a temple that holds the spirit of Jesus Christ. The spirit of God. And our spirit lives within his spirit that lives within us. I know, I know, like mind pop. Hard to really grasp it. So the best thing that I can say, instead of trying to grasp the concept, instead of trying to use your mind muscle to figure out what I just said, listen to your heart. It's written that God's ways are above our ways, that he confounds the wise. The only wisdom that God doesn't confound is his own wisdom. So when he gives you, when, he, when, when your gift of the Spirit is wisdom, it's his wisdom. And through his wisdom, you can understand. But through our own wisdom, you're left in a dark room with no walls, no doors, no windows, and no electricity. Let's move on to Matthew chapter 9. From the sermon that I'm looking at, this could be a relatively short sermon. I never know until I actually start preaching it. <clears throat> chapter 9. We're gonna we're gonna be in a we're gonna do one set of verses and we're gonna skip a verse and then do the rest. So we're gonna start at verse chapter two through verse chapter eight. <clears throat> and behold, they brought to him a man sick of palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy. Now, if you're asking yourself, uh, pretty sure the preachers preached this before. I have, I have, but not in this way. And not this specific sermon. God many times uses the same scriptures to teach me in a different way. I love it. 
And Jesus said, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. They said within themselves, they thought, a thought in their mind. After God told that this, this lame man, this paralyzed man, that his sins are forgiven. They thought a thought in their mind. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? For whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. In their minds, they were like, Well, well, well a man can't forgive sins. What blasphemy is this? What heresy is this? This man believes himself to be God. Jesus is God. But they couldn't believe it because all they worshipped was the religion and not God himself. That's why Jesus had to come because the Jews were lost. They were stuck worshipping the law of Moses instead of God. The law of Moses, I do this because the law of Moses is a law that was given by God. But man did what man does. And when I say man, I mean humanity. Did what humanity does. We lost our way. The Jews started worshiping the religion and the law itself rather than the creator. Verse 6, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Except that power wasn't given to a man. Not, not really a man. Was Jesus flesh and blood at that point in time? Yes. He came to earth to live as a man. But he was God in the flesh. And the Pharisees were like, oh, oh, oh. They were more upset that he said that he forgave sins. They were so upset that they didn't even realize that he literally healed a man that was unhealable. We're going to skip verse 9 and go to verse 10. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Publicans being tax, tax, uh, tax collectors. Thanks, Ben. She, uh, she, she has the words that I don't sometimes. Um, tax collectors and sinners. Why is Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners? He supposedly is God in the flesh. He'd already said it. He'd already said that, but they weren't. They didn't realize. So why is he eating with tax collectors, which are the lowest of the low? who had turned their back on the Jews and sinners as if the Pharisees themselves weren't sinners. 
But when Jesus heard that he said unto them, when he heard that, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. So he said, the sick are who need a physician. The well don't. So sinners need Jesus more than the righteous. But the kicker is, the righteous are still sinners. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, what really stood out to me in this series of, of Scripture is that Jesus was associating sin with sickness in the, in, the, in the man with palsy. Before he said, "Take a, arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. Before he said that, before he said anything to the Pharisees about after he read their minds, before he said anything, when he saw that paralyzed man, what did he say? Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. So he saw the man sick with palsy and he said, Your sins are forgiven. The first thing that he said. And then when the, when the Pharisees were talking about how can you be sitting with sinners and, and tax collectors? And he said, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So he, he associated sickness with sin because that's what sin is. And Jesus was, was teaching all of us now and all then that sin is no different than an illness. Sin is a curse upon the face of planet Earth. As I said in my verse today, Adam, Adam sinned and brought a curse upon the world. And Jesus came as the cure. Jesus is the cure. If sin is a fatal, terminal disease, because that's what sin is, sin is the worst disease that's ever been, worse than any cancer, because until Jesus walked upon the earth, it had no cure. Or I'd say it was. It was the worst disease that had ever been. It was worse than the bubonic plague. It was worse than any disease or sickness or illness, cancer, anything that man has ever faced, it was worse than anything. And it's, it was fatal. For the wages of sin are death, is death. The wages of sin is death. So death, the only way that you can keep sin from killing is through sacrifice of another, death. Ultimately, sin leads to death, whether it's your own death or the death of another. And then Jesus came. 
and he saved. He saved us from our sin. His death took death, the power of death, from Satan. And through him, through his sacrifice, we are cured. Now, are our bodies still full of sin? Yes. But our spirits are not condemned. Any we, the thing that makes us us, and that's not our brain, and it's not our heart, it's our spirit, is free from sin. We are not condemned. We will not die. Jesus is the cure for the disease, the illness, the terminal cancer that is sin. Let's go to Psalms um, chapter 103. God's been steering me into Psalms a lot lately. We're being honest, last week when I preached some Job, I really thought I was supposed to stay in Job for a while. I was wrong. I was wrong. Psalm chapter 103, verse 1 through 4. And then after this, we're going to stay in Psalm. We're going to pop over a bit further to another scripture. All right. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. For who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee? with loving kindness and tender mercies. God Almighty. He forgives us of our iniquities. He forgives us of our sin. And heals all of our diseases. There it is again. Disease and sin being used in the same way. And with all the technology of all of mankind, all of humans, and our great capacity for science, and all of the testing on animals and even humans to cure all of these diseases, even though we don't have a cure for the cold, the common cold, but that clock. That clock is so slow. Like, yeah, like 30 minutes off. It's crazy. So I never know when it's going to go off. Literally. Anyway. So, 
man in, in, our, in our great mental capacity, with all of our science, we are finding the secret of the universe. And with our great minds, we can cure anything. But like I said, we can't cure the common cold. We cannot cure sin. In fact, through our wisdom, sin corrupts that much more. Because our wisdom is not of God. Those who make all the decisions, who find cures for all the diseases, are not asking for God's wisdom. Not all. I'm sure we have a Christian here and there, a believer here and there. But man as a whole is a disease in itself. The human condition, as you hear it, is a disease powered by sin. Morality. Morality. Morality is nothing without Jesus. There is no moral high ground without Jesus. There is no high ground without Jesus. There is no ground without Jesus. There's no earth. There's no universe. There's nothing without Jesus. He created everything. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus is God. So there is nothing without Jesus. Nothing. Jesus is the beginning and the end because he existed before the beginning. And he will exist far beyond the end. And what is the end? For a believer, there is no end. The end is for all the non-believers. But I don't want there to be any non-believers. I want everyone to believe because I want everyone to be saved. I want everyone to know eternal life in heaven. And every Christian that's ever lived, every believer in Jesus Christ should want the same thing. That's why Jesus said, love your enemies. Because we don't have enemies. If we love everyone, we don't have an enemy. Perhaps our enemy believes that we have an enemy. Now, will your enemies still try to kill you? Yes. Will they succeed? I mean, they can kill this body, but they can't kill my spirit. They can't kill my everlasting soul. Because I belong to Jesus. My name is written in the book of life. So is your name. So is your name. Any one of you who believes in Jesus... Your name is written in the book of life. There is no death. 
There is no death because we are cured of the terminal illness called sin. And Jesus is the cure. I'm going to flip over to Psalm 147, verse 3. You can switch over if you want. I'm just going to be there for a moment. Forty-seven verse three. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. I love this scripture. Psalm one forty-seven verse three. He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their A broken heart is the single, honestly, hardest thing that any person will ever deal with. A broken heart can destroy you from the inside out. Without Jesus, your heart is always broken. Now, as Jesus said, do the heathen, do the heathen still love? Yes, they still love. They love their children, the heathen being non-believers. Do the heathen know love? Yeah. Do, they, do they give gifts to people they love? Yeah. So if, if non-believers have some sense of love, then how much greater is the love of God? How much greater? Is our love that do believe? How much greater? Because we know love in itself. We know love in the flesh. Jesus is love. And there's a there's a scripture in Old Testament. Uh, I'll have to pull it up. Maybe I'll do a verse a day on it. God is love. God is the creator of love, and he is love in itself. He is the one true source of love, just as he is the one true source of light. In the beginning, there was pure darkness. And darkness was upon the face of the earth. And God said, let there be light, and there was. God created light out of nothing. Now what's amazing is, what isn't described, is how bright God's light is. God, when he was over the face of the earth, which was just water at that point, his light was already lighting up the earth. Every, the, the earth itself was probably, not even probably, I would say the brightest point in all the darkness. I mean, we know that it was. Because in the beginning, there was no light. Because God said, let there be light. See what I did there? But God's light himself lit up, illuminated everything. But he knew 
that once he created the heavens and the earth and he dwelt in heaven, that the earth would need light. So he created it out of nothing. Man marvels at itself. We have created electricity. We didn't create it. We discovered it. We discovered how to how to make it form in a place and then and then attach things to it and use it. We did not create electricity. We discovered it. God created it. We we created engines and through creating combustible engines we have changed the world. Yep. We have. We've changed it. Not in a good way. Imagine how fast life goes by now. Because if I want to go just to the corner store down here, if I was to walk it, how long do you think it would take? 15, 20 minutes. To walk it? It takes 10 minutes just to get to the gate. I'm going to say 30, 40 minutes just to get to the corner store. But I can hop in the car and be there in three minutes. Life goes by so quickly so quickly that we we miss so much imagine if we didn't have cars that walk to the corner store imagine all that i would see all that i would be able to take in the marble of god's creation oh i've walked to the gate a few times i've walked we have we live out where there's a pasture i've walked in the pastor and I mean I see God everywhere that I look but when you're in a car and you're going from point A to point B you miss a lot you miss so much but man did not create the, the combustible engine out of nothing we took God's creation and we made something from it and I've said this before and I'll say it a million times then he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up our wounds. He heals us. He heals us. And Jesus, he takes away our sin. He, we are no longer condemned by our sin. Now, does that mean you can just sin willy-nilly? Just I mean, I'm not condemned, so I can do whatever I want. No. Jesus says throughout his teachings, repent, repent, repent. Paul, repent. Peter, repent. James, John, the apostles, and others, repent. Let's, uh... Let's go to Proverbs, chapter 28, <clears throat> verse 13. Pro Proverbs, chapter 28, verse 13. <clears throat> he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. What does that mean? That is the opposite. The, the first part. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. That is the opposite of repentance. 
If you cover up your sin, if you hide it, if you try to keep it in here, you know, I don't have to repent because I'm going to correct this sin myself. I'm strong enough. God saved me. I have Jesus in my heart. I'm strong enough to resist this sin. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to trouble God. I don't need to trouble Him with my problems. Wrong. So wrong. God wants us to lay everything at His feet. He wants us to need Him constantly. Satan is the one that makes you think that God doesn't want to be bothered or makes you think that your troubles aren't worth putting in front of God. Or your troubles will trouble God and God is so great and so good and awesome I don't want to bother Him with my crap. Satan does that. He makes you, and then, and then the next thing, he tells you you're not good enough. And you should be able to deal with this stuff on your own. Because you are not worth. Your worth is so little, you should not have to bring every little thing to God. You should be strong enough. That's Satan. But whoso confesseth and forsaken their sin shall have mercy. Now why in the world would it be written throughout the entirety of the Bible, that you are to confess your sin, that you are to pray and ask for forgiveness. Why in the world did we have all the sacrifice to the law of Moses? Every time you sin, you were supposed to, to sacrifice something. If, if anything, you were supposed to at least take some olive oil and put it in some fine flour and use it as an offering to God for your transgression. God doesn't want you to keep it to yourself because if you do, it weakens you. Because we are weak. We do not have the power to stand against the forces of hell on our own. But Satan wants you to think that you do. Wants you to think that you're bothering God. And that, and that you're supposed to be strong enough through your faith that you don't have to come to God all the time. But that is the opposite of what God wants. He wants you to come to Him with everything. When things are good, pray. When things are bad, pray. When things are just, eh, pray. 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 If a bad storm's coming and you're scared, pray. If the sun is shining and the birds are chirping and everything is glorious and amazing and marvelous and wonderful, pray. If everything is... Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pursue the face of God continuously. Now, to pursue the face of God continuously means that you pray, means that you lean on God. And why? Why do you lean on God? Why do you pray to God? Why do you bring all of your problems to God? Why do you bring all of your joys to God? Why do you bring literally every single thing to 
to God because God can take it. He's God. Almighty. I asked my wife yesterday, I'm like, how many birds do you think there are in the world? She's like, I don't know, a lot. I'm like, yeah, probably like billions maybe. I don't know. Millions, hundreds of millions. And God knows every single one. He knows when every single one takes off in flight. He knows when every single one lands, where every single one sleeps, and he provides food for all of them. Birds have no home. And this is actually a scripture in the Bible. I should have pulled it up, but I know I was going to talk about it. Um, birds have no home. Every single day, they sleep somewhere else. Now, when they have a you know, a place where they lay their eggs, what do you call that, a nest? When they have a nest, I mean, you know, they sleep in the nest for the eggs or whatever, but, you know, that's called good parenting. You know, staying at home with the kids. That's good parenting. But all the rest of the time, they don't have a home. And that, wherever they build that nest, that isn't actually home. That's just the safest place for their young. The safest place. But God makes sure that they're fed. Makes sure that they have water. Now, do some end up dying for, because of hunger or, or drought? Yes, but so do we. Because this earth, this world that man has corrupted isn't perfect anymore. Now, God, when he created, it was absolutely perfect. But we have corrupted it, as I said. Through the deceit of Satan, we have corrupted this world. But God will remake it again. And he will remake it and heaven. And we will live with him in New Jerusalem. The new city of God. For all eternity. I really highly highly, highly suggest that everyone reads Revelation at least once in your life. I'll tell you what, first time I read it, I was scared to death. Second time I read it, I was still kind of scared. And then I started actually understanding what I was reading because I asked God to allow me to understand. Actually, I had a vision when I was a kid. I had a vision, an act, and a, a bona fide vision. And in this vision, something something happened. I died. I don't know. I don't know how, but I was in hell. And there was fire and 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 brimstone and pain and suffering. And my bed was in hell. Yeah, I know. But it, I know it was a vision because it was so real. It was as real as 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 this piece of wood is here. And and the demons, they were they were scaring me, they were threatening me, they were they were saying everything they could say, but not a single one touched me. And I asked one, I'm like, how come you can't touch me? And they grabbed this tag, this golden tag, and it had my name on it, and it said, because this tag says that you belong to God. And then instantly I'm in the sky. I'm not on my bed anymore. I'm on a cloud, I'm pretty sure. And I'm floating up. And there's clouds all around. I can feel the wind, the air on my skin. 
I can feel, you know, I don't know if any of you have ever flown, but when you fly, you can feel as, as you know, your body changes as you rise up. But it wasn't, it wasn't uncomfortable because in a plane, I always kind of want to puke. Uh, it wasn't like that. And I looked up and I saw this, I don't know, funnel? And it was made of some marble or granite and there was, there was words all on it, all the way around. And I got just inside it and boom, I woke up. And I got up and I read all of Revelations. Maybe that day. If not that day, that day and the next day. And I understood it. And then at some point in my life, I fell away from God. And when I got to a point that I thought, oh, well, I got to a crossroads. And if I'd have gone to the left, I'd have been gone forever. But God pulled me to the right, and I know it was Him. Because I remembered that I belonged to Him. And here I am now, preaching. A pastor. God truly does work in mysterious ways. Let's, uh, let's go back to Psalms, um, chapter 32. Yeah, I know it's, it's wild that God has led me to Psalms so much. I started out just staying in the New Testament, and not because I wanted to, though I kind of did. Um, that's where God pushed me to be. And now, the bulk of this sermon is in Psalms. Chapter 32, verse 3 through 5. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. So I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So there it is again. He was drying up. His bones were cracking under the lack of moisture. For day and night, God's hand was heavy upon him. His moisture was turned into drought. He was sick. He was hurting. And nothing was going right. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong. Life was unapologetic. Life is unapologetic. The life of man. The life of this world corrupted by sin. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, unto God. He acknowledged his sin. And mine iniquity have I not hid. He stopped hiding his sin. He repented. He repented to God Almighty. God, my Father, I have sinned. Please forgive me. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Sin is a corruption. 
Sin is a disease. Sin is death and leads to death. When God told Adam and Eve, if you eat this fruit, you will die. That was truth. But it wasn't a fast death. It was a slow death. A slow and horrible death. Slower than any cancer or any disease on the planet kills you. Sin kills you slower and faster. Take that how you want. But if you repent, now to repent to God, you have to believe in God. To repent to Jesus Christ, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. You have to believe that Jesus is God, is the Son of God, died for our sins, resurrected and ascended. If you believe, repent, and be made whole. We're going to end with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 Corinthians. I thought it was a little different. Chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are a new person when you have Jesus within you. Reborn anew. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. All is made new. We are redeemed. Now, when we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus stepped out of heaven, the king of all heaven, and became a child in the womb of a virgin, born in a manger, in a stall with dirty animals. lived the life of a human being, healed the sick, forgave sins as a living man, because He is God. And only God can forgive sins. He forgave sins. How amazing did that, Paul, did that man of palsy, how amazing did he feel? 
when he was forgiven of his sin. Not, not a partial forgiveness. The sacrificing of animals wasn't, wasn't a full forgiveness. That sin so piled up. How amazing did he feel being fully forgiven of sin? I'll tell you how amazing he felt. How amazing did you feel? Those of you that believe in Jesus, that were saved from death, how amazing did you feel when that weight was lifted off of you? That weight is still lifted off. Do not give the keys back to Satan. Do not put yourself in bondage again. Because Jesus knew no sin. And he walked this earth. And he was lifted up on that cross. Nails hammered into his hands. That we, through our sin, we through our sin beat those nails in. And he became sin. That's why he screamed out, Why hast thou forsaken me, O my Father God? Because he, for the first time, felt sin. And not just the sin of one man. For Jesus had no sin. He took the sin of the entire world, past and present, today, now. All of that sin on one being only God could take that. Only God could bear that. He tasted sin for the first time. And then he tasted death for the first time. And through his death, we who believe who are baptized in the Spirit are anew. We are new people. We are free from sin, the corruption of sin. But did Jesus stay dead? No. Because Jesus is God. His body did not corrupt. His body did not start to wither, start to rot as our bodies do when this fleshly body dies. No. He was resurrected. His spirit went down to hell, freed the captives, and then came back to his body and he resurrected as only God could, as only God can. And after walking upon the earth, spending time with the apostles and the disciples. He ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and he prepared a way for us. We are cured of our sin and heaven is open to us. So death is not the end. When you have a loved one die of an illness or die in a car wreck or die of some other problem or just die, if they believe, they're not dead. Their body is dead, but they are in heaven. Graveyards, tombstones hold 
dead bodies. All the non-believers are still in the grave. But all the believers, they're not there. They're in heaven with God Almighty. They are in heaven with Jesus Christ our Lord. And that, where you, believer, that is where you, believer, will also be. That is where you will also be. And every non-believer, if any non-believers are watching right now, pray. If you don't know how to pray, call me. I'm going to I'm going to add my phone number onto the YouTube feed. I actually have a card that my phone number and all of my links are on that I pass out to people. I'm going to add my phone number to the YouTube feed after I upload this video. Call me if you don't know Jesus, if you want to know Jesus, if you don't believe but, you, but you, you're feeling something inside and you don't know what it is and you think it might be Jesus, call me. If you don't believe at all and you just want to call me and ridicule me and put me down and call me names, do that too. Do it. Maybe through that, Jesus will open your heart. Maybe getting all of that out, getting all of the evil that you want to say, that's swirling through your mind right now, maybe getting all of that out will open you up to the truth that is Jesus. I can take it. I can take it. Especially if it leads you to eternal life. I can take it. I want to take it. I want every single person on the face of planet Earth, all, what, eight or nine billion of us, I want every one of us to go to heaven. We won't. It's written in the Bible that we won't. That only few, out of all of the informed, only a few, of us will actually believe and accept the truth. And truth has a name. Jesus. Google estimates there's a little more than two and a half billion Christians in the entire world. I have no idea how Google came to that. But uh, maybe it's changed. You can check me out. Um, but there's what? close to 9 billion people in the world, so that's what? Less than a third of the people in the world. Right now, if Jesus was to return right now, if right now we were all, all the believers were taken to heaven right now, less than a third of the entire world. That's, that's unacceptable. We need to get the word out that there is a cure for the illness of sin. There is a cure for the disease that is terminal to the non-believers. There is no drug ever created that can fix it. Only Jesus is the cure. Only Jesus. Narrow is the way to salvation. Wide is the way to damnation. That's a scripture. I'm going to change it a little bit, but, but you get the gist. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. We glorify you. We thank you, Lord, for this sermon, for this word that you've given, 
Father, I pray that it seeps into our hearts and into our minds and our spirits are awakened and brought alive. Those of us that believe have a new perception, a new way to think, a new way to understand, and it brings us to pray more, to do more, to preach more. Father, I pray if there's anyone that, that watches this video that doesn't know you, that they will find someone that they know that believes, and they will ask that question. Father, I, I thank you so much for this life that you've given and for new life for my spiritual rebirth, Lord, so that when my day comes that my flesh finally falls and returns back to this dust, my spirit will be with you. Me, the absolute part of me, the true me, the me that is now, will be in heaven. And my flesh, the false me, the corrupted me, the me that isn't me at all, but it's just a shuck, a husk, will stay behind. And I will get to be with you for all eternity. Lord, I pray that every Christian knows and remembers and believes this truth. And every non-believer comes to know and has added to your kingdom. Added to eternal life unto heaven with you, with your Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray all of these things, Lord. I ask all of these things, and I thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I hope everyone has a wonderful week, and um, God bless you.